0: thanks for stopping by i'm Corey edwards writer director comedian uh world's best dad i'm not bragging i'm just telling you it was awarded to me i'm looking at the card right now my kids gave it to me it's got a trophy on the front it looks official World's Best Dad. When you open it up, it plays Tina Turner singing, You're simply the best. So it's got to mean something, right? You know what? I don't know. I think I might have seen a mug that was at somebody else's house, and they were World's Best Dad. So <sighs> we'll have to uh, throw it to the judge on this. If I had to be really honest, I you know, <laughs> the best? Honestly, I'm probably World's 8th best dad if I had to really be honest I want to be pragmatic here um but uh I'm still doing it I'm still being a dad and um you know I I I don't like though that sometimes the criteria for being a great dad is hey he shows up you know what he went to all their games well good for you that's your job dad among other things um I'm also a dish cleaning dad I cannot stand a dirty dish but I digress. Uh, I'm not here to talk about Dirty Dishes. I'm here to talk about being creative. That's what we do on this show. We talk about being creative. And as a creator, I've been looking at this show, and I got to tell you, I'm interviewing somebody every week, but I don't know a thousand people in the business, and I don't have somebody booking these people. So so I'm thinking about making some changes in the coming weeks, okay? There's going to be some changes around here, as the warden might say. Not that you guys are my are my prisoners. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, uh, as I look at this show as a piece of art, it's interesting. We're talking about creating art on the show, being creative, being in a creative job. This is kind of one of my jobs now is, is running this show and hosting it. And um, instead of always relying on do I have a guest this week, I'm going to do some weeks now where we take on a topic, um, the films of a particular filmmaker or uh, what we love about television and why, uh, a particular aspect of the business. Um, that then I will bring on some of my usual suspects, some of my uh, closer circle of friends who are in the business who I love to bring on as co-hosts. So you may hear the same uh, co-host from time to time. I'll keep them in kind of a, uh, in circulation, and we'll, we'll talk about different topics. Uh, that's not happening this week. This week we do have a guest. It's a great guest, Karen Whipple. <laughs> how, how much fun do you think this guest is with a name like Karen Whipple? Her name is Whipple. That just sounds delightful. Be prepared to be delighted. It's all about using whatever talent you have, and hers is singing, and she has turned it into so many interesting careers and has so many interesting stories. Um, so uh, what are we talking about this week? We're talking about uh, using your voice as a, as a singer uh, with Karen. I'm not a singer. I'm more of a, just a performer who occasionally can sing as a character. That doesn't mean I'm a good singer. I have done um, some voiceover gigs, and uh, voiceover work is is a weird, different world than acting. And uh, it's really weird when you start to micromanage every single word out of your mouth. I, I remember I was doing some voiceover work uh, in the Midwest, and it was just something for like a local taco place. And I'm like, um, "You're gonna love these tacos." Oh, I don't know what the line was, but but they kept wanting me to be more energetic on the word tacos they're like but can you slow it down because we're not getting the word tacos so i'm like so you want me to be more energetic but slower and they're like yes and so i'm like tacos like it's it becomes this ludicrous thing where the word tacos has no meaning anymore at all um and so you're like "It's, it's it's weird it's weird i had to tell an actor once Can you be more forlorn? Can you be sadder, but can you do it faster? And boy, that ticked him off. (laughs) He's like, you want me to be sadder, but you want me to be faster? And then I was like, yeah, like you're going, oh, gee, I don't know. Can you say it faster? He's like, I don't know how to do that. And so then I did the line reading. I was like, you know, do it like this. Oh, gee, I don't know. And he was like, oh, line readings. I see how it is. And he got really upset. I won't say which actor this is. Andy Dick but uh it was a learning process for me on how to deal with actors they know likey the line reading although you know who did say just give me the line just just do the line reading I don't care uh she was really cool about it she was like if you know how it's said then you just say it and I'll I'll do it I was like really and uh that was surprising because I thought that was the dirty thing you don't do is give an actor a line reading and she was up for it I won't say who that was Glenn Close but she was super cool about it and she wanted me to do it, so I did it. Um, So what am I saying? I'm saying working with Andy Dick was a lot different than working with Glenn Close. Uh, Spoiler alert. Uh, Boy, Andy Dick, you don't know what you're going to get from one day to the next. He'll be the most delightful, friendliest guy. And then the next day you're like, oh, uh, do we have any knives here in the studio? Because I think he's going to kill someone. Um, So, you know, you just gotta learn uh, what mood your actor's in that day, I guess. Um, but I've 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 only gotten a few voiceover gigs, not very many. Most of the voiceover gigs I've gotten uh, are the ones I have given myself. <laughs> I'm like, fine, I'll go make my own movie and put myself in it, uh, and then I'll be a squirrel that talks so fast you can't even tell it's me. So there. <clears throat> you know, one one gig, I, I I man, I thought I was gonna nail it. It was a a voice sound-alike for Jiminy Cricket for like some video game or something. And I was like, well, sir, I think I can do it. Always wishing on a star. And they said, no, thank you. They said, no, thank you to that. But I still like to think there's a little Jiminy Cricket inside me. Uh, (laughs) You could put Jiminy Cricket inside you. You could swallow him whole, couldn't you? Um, But let's get on to the show. We're going to talk about music. We're going to talk about singing. We're going to talk about uh, the way that people can use their musical talents in ways you didn't even dream in this business. There are invisible careers that happen all the time, and they're out there in the movies and TVs that, the movie and TV shows that you watch and enjoy. There are people that do jobs that you had no idea. One is session singing and uh, choral singing, and so we're going to talk to Karen about that. But also, uh, we're just going to talk about the state of the music uh, business out there, according to my boys, because I want to know what they think. Uh, let's, uh, uh, let's start the show it's here again that segment we like to call what, what do the, the boys think oh wow that was like a men's chorus <laughs> boys think ah i'm here i'm here with my uh, just one of my sons tonight elliot
1: hello it's good to be back yeah thanks
0: if we're not careful, we're gonna sound like the same person pretty soon. Oh yeah, yeah.
1: I'll just talk up here. Okay. That way they can know uh, the difference.
0: Um, you know, a lot of uh, well, our guest Karen, she's gonna be talking about her um her times in the music industry, and in the entertainment industry mm-hmm. and through music. I wondered, I wanted to talk to you about music because, uh, um, some people know that you're a songwriter. You're getting more and more <laughs> into songwriting. Like I'm sitting beside your desk, and I'm looking right now at several pieces of notebook paper filled with lyrics. Yeah.
1: Uh I am not super uh experienced in any musical like terminology or uh discipline. Yeah, yeah, I don't even know how to read mu- sheet music, but I just like writing rhymes. I think that's fun. Uh so yeah, I do a bit of that. Do I,
0: do you bust some rhymes?
1: I bust some rhymes. Yeah, I drop some bars. <laughs>
0: Uh, You know When I take my dog For a walk She drops some bars But they're different oh, di- oh, Different kind oh no! But yes. uh, they, You know People can go to your YouTube channel And see your rap video That you made a couple years ago yes. And that was when You were just getting started Yes And I think that you're You've excelled uh, uh, Since then I sure hope so What Um, When You listen to a lot of music While you're working Even mm-hmm. on other projects But like When I was Growing up Or as a young adult I would set up a playlist
1: I would go on my iTunes Yeah uh, then eventually I went to like Spotify, but where do you listen to music? So I listen to music in probably the most inconvenient way possible, which is YouTube, not YouTube music, just YouTube. Um, and sometimes it'll compile cause like the algorithm works this way. All of your, well, it's all of your songs, but sometimes they're not songs and sometimes songs won't go in there, but there, there's these little playlists that YouTube makes of the things you've listened to a lot. And mm-hmm. I just click on that. And I listen to the things I listen to Do you a lot. find a lot of people your age, though, now are getting their music just off YouTube? Just like... I think so. I think that's why they made YouTube music, and it would probably be a good way of using that. But I I haven't looked into that, so...
0: You always have the iPad up with... with Yeah, because we'll, what I like about Spotify is that if you like this artist, here's some more artists yeah. that sound like this
1: particular artist. Does YouTube do that? Does it call up other stuff underneath? Um, usually it, like, calls up stuff from the same channel, but occasionally it'll do stuff that's similar to it. Not often, though. That's usually, like, it'll pop up in your recommended, and then once you listen to that, then it goes on to that playlist.
0: Like, you are super deep into a lot of independent artists that are primarily on YouTube. But, like, well, I'd say you know some songs on the radio, but you do not listen to the radio. My music
1: taste is super niche because that's, like, all I listen to. I do not know the top ten popular hits. I can barely name five celebrity song artists. Yeah, like, like totally you wouldn't know
0: what's on the top 40 on the radio <laughs> no. right now. No, I would not. And I think a lot of people your age don't care.
1: Yeah, I think that's probably true. I think that the internet has made it a lot different and a lot uh, easier for other artists to be But hurt. like,
0: what do you listen to? Like, what kind of, what, how would you describe your music so, so you listen to, that you
1: like? I like to say indie, but that's like such a broad category and I do not listen to all that the thing that's commonly called indie music, so I guess mainly rock and roll, but it's like a, it's like a kind of rock and roll that's closer to indie. Indie when, rock. When
0: I listen to Jack Stauber, who is <laughs> yes, somebody, that's a little different. Somebody you discovered and you played for me, but a lot of his stuff sounds like the '80s, and it sounds like '80s independent music. Indie music? Like from like, yeah, it's like 80s bizarre. college radio. Like I think that things move in cycles. And so you might not realize it, but it sounds like maybe what college kids were listening to uh, in the 80s. But like not not 80s pop music, but like alternative music. Yeah, Like things come in waves.
1: Yeah. Um, he's quirky. He is. But you like uh, Lemon Demon? I do. I really like Lemon Demon. Neil uh, Cisriga. Someday I'll pronounce that right. I think that's right. And who else? Um, I listen to AJR occasionally. They're kind of cool. Uh, I've been listening to the Chalk Eaters, which is, like, super internet culture video game reference, uh, music, but it's, it's so good. Yeah. Um, a lot of stuff, it's like, people ask me, what's your favorite genre of music? And I'm like, well, you're probably not gonna get why, but, you know. <laughs> yeah. I like listening to, uh, the Stupendium, but he's really rap. Yeah.
0: British rap. British rap. Chap rap. What Quite do they proper.
1: call it? proper. Uh, yeah, there
0: is some more Chap hop, they call like it. Something like that, yeah. It's, everything's mixing <laughs> together, and... It's weird because you could say 80s music, you can say 90s music. I don't know now in 2022, 23. Yeah. I don't know that that we'll look back on a decade of the 2000s and listen to music and go, ah, that was the music of that era. Like,
1: it's like everything is
0: everywhere now.
1: (laughs) I think we'll know what, like, pop music is. But other than that, yeah, no, it's there's not really a music of the era, a genre of the era. But you
0: know 80s music? I do. You and your friends... I find it interesting. You love '80s music, oh yeah, and '90s now is kind of what I what I thought '80s was. Oh, everybody's nostalgic for the '80s. <laughs> it's not everybody's nostalgic for the
1: '90s. Someday it'll be two thousands, and that'll be really, really weird.
0: Like you guys know, like you guys know Rick Astley, yes, and the Backstreet Boys, yes, and that's crazy to me. They're 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 classics now. They're classics. <laughs> that's fun. And when you make music, you. You're not uh, you, you were fascinated by rap but now you're you're kind of all over the the map yeah. right now.
1: Yeah. I don't really know where I'm sticking right now but I'm I'm trying out a lot of random stuff. I'll usually just like record something I think sounds cool that I thought of in the shower just on my iPad and I'll listen back to it and go either ooh this is this is not as good as I thought or mm, maybe maybe I'll maybe I'll do something with that. Yeah. <laughs> and you're taking it less
0: from a composing angle or I've yeah. got to go take piano lessons and I've got to learn music theory. It's more <laughs> like um it's more like sculpting with clay. Like, you're on, are you on GarageBand or you're also on Ableton? Is that it?
1: Yeah, I use Ableton occasionally. I have. You're just kind of building it like with, with bricks. Of professionally sound. speaking, I have no idea what I'm doing. So. You're just fooling around yeah, now and you're I am. figuring it out. I'm fooling around with music. I think that's where I'm at right now.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cool. Well, if somebody went to McCray tunes, would they hear any? They don't. Wouldn't really hear any of your music, but they no. might
1: see your music video. They might see my rap, which is really old now. It's like a year old now. Yeah, you got to build on that. I do. I got to do something. When?
0: When's the album coming out? <laughs> uh,
1: twenty
0: twenty nine. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. All right, man. I I am fascinated because I didn't push this or say you should do this or you do that. You just got into music. Yeah and you get deeper and deeper into it these days. It's kind of simultaneous with games and animation.
1: Yeah, it's kind of interesting cuz like I was big on video games for a while and then I started getting bigger on on animation and now I'm getting bigger on on music. So I think I'm just trying to Do stuff. they all feed each other though? Yeah, they interact with each other a lot. Yeah. Cuz
0: we talked about how you love uh Deltarune and uh, oh, yeah. Undertale uh, a lot of it for the music. Yeah, Some, Sometimes you guys pick games because of the music.
1: Toby Fox is a great composer, the creator of those games. So, so
0: would you ever do you get into 8-bit music?
1: Uh I've I've done a couple of things on Ableton that aren't quite 8-bit, but they're closer to game soundtracks. Yeah. Um, so that's cool. That's exciting. I I'm, like working with I'm excited.
0: I'm excited to see where it goes. Yeah. And 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 many a night you shut this door to this little uh, cubby back here where you have a desk. And I'll
1: just hear random stuff being shouted and sung into a microphone. Yeah, I imagine I shout a lot, uh, yeah. a lot of random stuff back here. Yeah. <laughs> well, I can't wait to see what you do next, man. Thank you for oh, talking about you. music. Yeah. I love you. I love you too.
0: Thanks for joining me and joining us on What Do The Boys
1: Think? Mm,
0: robust. <laughs> My guest today was born with the gift of song, but she has turned it into a career, and I have never really talked to someone who has taken their voice so many places in the creative space, so I'm happy to talk to my good old friend, Karen Whipple. Hello, Karen.
2: Hi. You're calling me old.
0: No, no, you're an old friend. You're not an old friend, Uh, but I I will say now that you seen those memes where it shows like Archie and Edith Bunker and it puts their ages underneath and they're they're younger than me now. So I, <laughs> right. I don't know why uh, that they would be that uh, young. But uh, right, yeah, you, right. like everybody on Cheers is younger than me, apparently.
2: <laughs> I know. And I'm just walking in the grocery store going, oh, you know, think looking at that middle aged woman over there and going, oh, my gosh, she's younger than I am. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I hate I
0: hate that term. Uh, it's like
2: there's there's got to be a t-shirt there like why do people okay maybe you could come up with this Corey, and it'll be our next million dollars but like something like why do people my age look so old older than me or i don't know something you're the funny guy yeah
0: well you know my my wife vicky her theory was um that years (laughs) decades ago we allowed ourselves to get older and now i think we have ways to make ourselves look much younger um, so, you know, the golden girls were, a certain I don't know, like the oldest golden girl was like maybe 58, 58 or 60 years old. And right. uh, but we all look great now. Honestly, that's that's the message I want to send out. We all look great. Uh, and I, I look you know, amazing. I'll take, this, yeah. I'll take this to music so we can talk music. But uh, I was okay. watching a game show the other day and it was a whole group of 30 year old women who were trying to answer a question about, like they had to list Beatles songs and they were all just like rolling their eyes and they couldn't think of like one Beatles song. And it made me crazy. But then I did think, well, like didn't they hit the scene like 50 years ago, (laughs) 60 years ago? So, you know, we're all getting, uh, time progresses for all of us. So I wanna talk about your talent and how you've turned it into a creative career. Cause I've talked to actors and writers and even technicians, technical people. Right. Um, but um, have you always just grown up saying, I'm going to sing, I'm going to sing for a living, or I just love doing this?
2: Okay, the funny thing is, okay, here's a. am li- going to try to make it as quick as I can.
0: No, you I don't th- have to. This is a <laughs> podcast. A podcast you can yammer <laughs> on and on. That's the beauty of it.
2: Uh, um, <clears throat> if it, has, if it comes warmth? with a
0: crazy story, all the better.
2: <laughs> I should have done my warm-ups. Um, <clears throat> no. <laughs> So, no, I, I grew up in a musical family, so it was kind of understood that we all studied music. So uh. I studied music, and I, I learned, like, beyond what most kids learn, because my dad was my choir director at, at my church.
0: Yeah. So, was like, that fun, or was that like, oh, brother, dad is going to make me sing again?
2: It's so fun. Well, okay, I was really shy. So I would never have stepped out to do a solo unless my dad pulled me out to do. It. He just assigned me solos. So I, I think that actually, for me, that worked in a good way because it gave me confidence. Whereas I don't know if I would have gotten the confidence on my own or pushed myself. My brother, he was different. He, he would have found it on his own. But I think I needed that push forward. So actually, it was it was good. And it was all that I knew. You know, and yeah. then come to find out years later when I started my career, I am so grateful because my dad never let any of his kids sing melody; like we always sang harmony. You know, so oh,
0: why, why is that such a good thing?
2: Well, just because it opened up more opportunities for me. Um, because in my career, I've done a lot of acapella a- acapella gigs, and we'll we'll get to this, but like theme part gigs acapella stuff, vocal jazz, um, the the master chorale, you know, if I hadn't have been confident as a group singer, and it's two different things. You, you, I I think it's, I, you know, (laughs) with all the gigs that I've had, you know, I've tried to sing acapella group stuff with people who are primarily solo artists and they don't know how to blend they don't know how to lock cords so it you just don't get a a, the best product that you can and you don't get the unification as far as like the personalities and the just the sort of relational side of a group um, as well as the unified sound. Wow, like that was you, a lot. You know,
0: you know, you're a team player, and you know how to play on the team. You know exactly what your what your position is. This is the only sports metaphor I'm going to do this hour. Yes. Um, but but I think it's a you're saying it's a totally different skill set.
2: Hmm. Hmm. Yes, it is. Um, like, yeah, like uh, I won't mention the name, but a certain theme park <laughs> was really good at getting at getting kind of blinded by solo talent yeah and one of the um the, the the one of the first gigs i did in california at disneyland was like a pop acapella group and the way that the group singers had to kind of adjust to to just kind of match the soloist, you know? And instead it became, instead of a group, it became kind of like the lead and the backups, you know? And it's like, I, I never really wanted to be a solo artist anyway. Really? Um, no, I, I, in fact, I'm still fine with just doing, doing just background vocals or just singer for hire, like whatever you want me to do, because I love, oh, I'm talking around in circles, but I guess that's what a podcast is for, right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah because <laughs> I love the ability to create a single sound with multiple voices. I think it's magical and there's no other reward. Like you said, I mean, you can use sports metaphors or anything where you're artistic, but in a group with other people and you're creating this one outcome, even a film. You're yeah. all working together to create one story and it's magical when it happens
0: yeah production that's why that's what's magical to me about film or television is that you have many people with many skill sets and they're all uh, I guess I'll say singing the same song they're all Mm -hmm. coming together to create one piece of art and that's pretty amazing and and most people would say you know you grow up you you have a talent for singing you've cultivated into this amazing voice and I will I will tell everybody because you probably won't it's an amazing voice. Like Karen, Karen can sing (laughs) opera. She can sing pop. She can like, you're a, you're a a vocal chameleon. You have learned, you can bend and shape your voice into what is needed. But most people would say, Oh, uh, you're a wonderful singer. So when's your album coming out or you're on tour or you're going to like, there's only like one or two things that people think of. And by allowing yourself to be this kind of group, singer team player Mm -hmm. Uh, you have so many stories that we probably won't even get to but uh Mm -hmm. you mentioned uh disney what what kind of singing would you do at disney you obviously didn't wear a giant uh, animal suit
2: no (laughs) and i will say to any aspiring people who want to work at disney because i have a lot of i've met a lot of people who want to and it's a great place it is a great place to work um don't don't audition for characters if you want to eventually be in entertainment because yeah you'll be stuck in characters just a little side note and Um, what do you mean
0: by characters like your cinderella walking around waving
2: exactly Yeah. yeah yeah even that of course that includes like the you know the the fuzzies you know the 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 mickeys and the goofies and everything but it includes all the princesses too people think they can go you know get a gig as a princess just doing the parade and then kind of move into singing and it doesn't quite work that way.
0: <laughs> right. Well, what I remember were the Dapper Dans who would jump off uh, of the trolley and and awesome. sing sing a 100-year-old song, but they did it so well. But like what yeah. did you do?
2: Yeah. So, I um the very first gig I've had like I don't know four or five different gigs at Disney. Um the first thing I did was Voices of Liberty at Epcot in Florida and if you're an a cappella geek you will know that group because it's uh it's very it's it's hard it's very demanding harmonically um, mm. it's like t- it's almost like vocal orchestration it's like 10 part harmony stuff um well karen I-
0: you are performing in the uh, experimental prototype community of tomorrow so <laughs> right. you got to bring it
2: right 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 we were How nerdy in the- is that <laughs> <laughs> and ironically i wore a dress that was modeled after the 1850s so there you go
0: <laughs> you were you were teleported there well and, and uh uh you know it, it is a it is a mark of excellence they don't take just anybody there and was it training ground for for other things you you did later or was that your yes. first big um, professional group experience where you had to bring it every every day or five times a day
2: like like both oh my gosh both um it it I do want to say as an encouragement, if you have any other singers out there who are, you know, on the cusp or, or just anybody of anything on the cusp, it took me five times to audition. I wow. auditioned five times. Yeah. Finally, finally got in. And that that's another story, but. Oh my gosh. What was your question? Oh, was well, it a, was it a building, training ground?
0: As it build you towards other yeah. things.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. So I, I was thrown in one of the hardest gigs ever in my career at the beginning of my career so it gave me confidence but it also taught me i have so much more to learn and and i kept my ears open musically but also just just gaining from all the other performers that i that i was with and trying to learn as much as i could about the music business about how to audition smartly about about how to keep my voice healthy with these five six sets a day Um, you know and then if it's like if i could do that then I can easily do like a six, eight hour session for a film that came later on. You know, I learned, I learned endurance vocally. I learned how to warm up by my voice just enough. So even like mechanical stuff, like a, a theme park gig, it's one of the hardest things you can do, even like the Dapper Dans, like you mentioned. But it really does... It's good. It was good for me at the beginning of my career on so many levels like that. Well, and- you
0: have to be so protective of that instrument. I, I know it sounds um, pretentious, but when some actors or, or singers say my instrument, but it is your <laughs> it's your bread and butter. It's like yes. I, I sometimes think I've been up on stand up stages where I've, I'm running a fever or I'm feeling a little tired, but I can't imagine when you have to depend on that voice every yep. day.
2: Yep. Yep. And. Yes. And the, the theme like live stuff is a little bit easier to kind of work through if you're having issues. I, I this is in my opinion, but when, it, when you get into the studio, that's when you can't hide anything. And so later on I did a lot of, a lot of studio singing. So again, it was good that I had this foundation of how to take care of my voice, because when you're at that mic, and when the whole control control room is waiting for you to do this one line and do it right, you can't. <laughs> you just got to do your job.
0: Right. Well, that's what yeah. we. That's what I try to talk about. No matter what discipline I'm interviewing on this show, is that there is there is a version of all these create creative pursuits that mm-hmm. is a hobby. There is mm-hmm. a oh, Karen is a great singer. She'll sing at the Christmas party, or like right. oh, you're funny. Get up and get up and tell a joke at at, yes. uh, at the reception. But when you yeah. have to perform or create on command uh-huh. again and again and again and you have to turn it into a business and you have to turn it on mm-hmm. no matter how you're feeling that day mm-hmm. that is something you have to cultivate over years and years and years so that when somebody hires you to go in front of the mic they're hiring they're paying for those years and years of of you getting up yes. ready like a machine and I will yes. Say, yes again I think you're kind of a you you've kind of created yourself into a, a machine where if you went and sang mm-hmm. like um uh, you also do voiceover work and you are, you're an incredible character actor. So <laughs> if if you had to sing in, in the voice of a little girl, or you had to sing in a very silly way, or uh-huh. if you had to bring something that brings a tear to someone's eye in a, in a very beautiful and dramatic way, mm-hmm. you could dial that machine.
2: You can, you can. And it, and it does take, it does take the discipline of it. Like it takes the experience, but it takes it takes me working on my own as well and that's the hardest part i think for most artists you know it's like i i i do these vocal exercises i even teach them i do a lot of teaching and it's like with you just start to gain control you know i have this course that's called master your natural voice and that's why i called it that because it's like you 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 gain control in order for it to sound effortless yeah um, yeah, but, but going back to the skill of the emotional side of it, a lot of people think of that as just you can roll out of bed and just, you know, pull these emotions with your voice. And to, so two stories I have about that, um, well, they're kind of stories. When, I, like, I had to sing at my, one of the hardest things I've had to do was sing at my father-in-law's funeral and yeah. you know i know this wasn't a paid gig or anything but it's one of the most important gigs i've ever done you know
0: yeah the stakes are high obviously
2: yes it could because it also it, it was a training in a different way it it um i had been singing a lot at this point you know um i was in my mid 20s and um i just i just looked out into the crowd and there was just something overwhelming and it was like, they need this from me. Like, I don't have the liberty to feel as much as they're feeling right now because they need me to deliver this message to them so that they can feel the full emotion and feel the memories and, and everything that they need right now. It was kind of, I mean, it put me really more uh, in in like the, the, the servant I don't know what other word to use, you know, but I was the servant at that point, just serving them. And and so as a result, I've actually sung at a lot of funerals because I was, I was that was one of my questions I was going to yeah. ask you,
0: because I've been <laughs> at one of those funerals. It was one of the saddest things I've ever been to. Mm. Uh, it was the funeral of a child. And and, and you were the twins. Singing, right. And I I think I asked you or, or Vicky asked you, like, how do you do it? I couldn't have spoken words at that funeral but you were not thinking about yourself and your emotions you Mm -hmm. were I think you said something like I am thinking about delivering this to everyone
2: yeah yeah and isn't that true with like every artist like when it comes to I don't know just the other side of it besides the personal side you have to think what what does my public need you know but what what does the world need? What does this person need? What, uh, what does the director need in order to tell the story? What does the writer want me to convey with my performance that's going to help them get their message out too? Like this, I have to do my job. So I have to rely on the skill or I have to do anything I can to develop that skill. And it's really, it's a lot of times a mental game you know, people are every once in a while, I, I have to do things like, okay, I'm starting to feel emotions, So now I need to think about my laundry list.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> but, but usually it's, it's really more outward instead of, instead of demanding that people watch my performance, it's me reaching out. And I teach my students this all the time. You know, my, my private students, I'm like, can't you tell when someone just wants to almost pull you towards them in performance, as opposed to them giving out into the audience, their performance, they're, they're giving it out as opposed to trying to pull you in. You know what I mean?
0: That's interesting because, uh, and you're an actor too. You've been on uh, uh, film sets and, Uh and and as an actor or a singer, you're being called upon to conjure up emotions in, in, in the audience, but also you're, you're kind of, you're generating an emotional thing, but it's not mm-hmm. the same as I'm feeling emotions. Cause that would you make know, you crumble yeah. at a funeral.
2: Right, right, right. Exactly. Exactly. Um
0: And I, I guess that's a, that's another instrument too. You're, you're guiding your emotional, uh yeah. whatever that instrument is inside you, you're guiding it away from you, not deep into your chest where you suddenly feel it all over the place. I mean, like I, I know, there are times where you are so, any of us are so emotional, we can't speak. You
2: can't be uh-huh. in that place uh-huh. when you're performing. No, no. And there's, there, there, there are ways and there's little tricks kind of mechanically that I can do with my voice to, to push the tone through, even if that's about to happen. And sometimes that's magical because it makes people feel the the emotion even more, be, you know, because it's like, you have to and that's kind of going back to that, working on controlling your voice, you know, back to that and the discipline side of it. But it's, it's such, isn't everything about life is such a balance. And even down to this one thing that we're talking about, the balance of feeling enough emotion for it to be genuine, because it has to be genuine, Yeah. but, but, but not tipping over to where you lose control. It's, It's a skill. It's truly a skill. The, the other time that uh, the other story I was going to say that is a little bit different where it wasn't necessarily as emotional, but it was nerves. And I know a lot of people who actors and singers, just any kind of performer. It's like, what do I do with these nerves? Well, I, it was one of the first sessions that I did
0: so and, you define what that means by sessions. Oh,
2: okay, You're, you're okay. going
0: into a recording studio for a paid.
2: Right, uh, right, sessions. right. So when I moved to L.A., I was I was fortunate enough to meet a lot of the right people who were in charge of contracting singers to sing for any kind of media, but mostly film, mostly films and mostly film TV commercials. Um, So, so I started doing that work when I moved to LA, when I didn't, why I wasn't even necessarily looking to be a singer there. I wanted to be a voiceover actor. (laughs) So I was like, well, I'm going to take this path because it is opening up, opening up for me. And I prepared myself for it way back when working with my dad, learning how to read music, didn't know had no idea that that was even a thing. And now all of a sudden I'm, I'm prepared. I'm ready. Wasn't looking for it, but somebody asked me to come, you know, start doing these film sessions. So, um, and you're saying,
0: and this was the first time you were in a session that you were dealing with those nerves or.
2: It was, it was one of the, well, the, the very first. Okay. There were two sessions, one session the the first set, one of the first sessions I did Um, we're a lot of times they, I kind of have to set the scene a little bit. So they, what they do on a film session is we're pretty much the last performance element to a film. Usually the score has been written. It's been orchestrated. The score has been recorded. And then, you know, this Corey, and then. And then you drop in the choir if you can afford it. If you can afford a choir, we're not that expensive. But yeah,
0: yeah. I think some people don't realize sometimes because they blend it so well that, that you, yeah. it, you're almost like you're another instrument in the orchestra. Like
2: exactly. everybody
0: knows when the lightsabers come out and Duel of the Fates comes on. That's a very popular one. But but like in Star Trek or, or I know you sung on Ice Age, when a uh-huh. big, tremendous moment happens, you kind uh-huh. of need, sometimes you're not even singing words. You're just no. bringing your oh, voice.
2: Yeah, we're usually not singing words. And you mentioned Star Trek. We did, I I did both of the oh, the two. Are there two or three? I did two of them. I don't remember. There are
0: currently three uh, <laughs> in the new canon with okay. the new cast, Kirk and yeah. But it was David <laughs> Abrams' Star Trek that you were singing on, right?
2: Oh my gosh, it, it was thrilling! It was thrilling because we did actually get to re-record the original theme, and that was like. Wow. I never took I never took any of that for granted you know but sometimes it's like oh you get your bag and you go to your job
1: yeah. but
2: that that was a moment where I'm like I'm getting to do this job that people don't even know exists like you said um but uh but yeah it it um most of the time we didn't sing most of the time we didn't sing words most of the time it was like the composers almost writing us as if we're a string line or woodwinds kind of depending on the coloring of the of the voices sometimes they would use us for just like crazy vocal effects like there's this one moment in the i think it's the second second star trek movie where oh i'm i'm so i'm so not i have such a bad memory but it was like this space moment where one spaceship was like going through a black hole or something, and yeah. you hear these the the go back and watch it and you hear only men vocals just like creating this like just like this cacophony of sound. Oh, that's cool. And if you didn't know it was know it was voices, you're like, what is that? Yeah. so we were asked to do all kinds of crazy things. But, yeah, most of the time it's just kind of buried in the soundtrack. So when I tell people what I did, they're like, oh, what voice were you? And it's like, <laughs> well, I was like the second soprano on the back row. That's that's what voice I was, you know, the yeah. second of like 30 or 40.
0: But that's what you're talking about, that you were part of a collective whole yeah. that, yes. that we experience as an audience. You were one piece yeah. that we feel this giant thing, and uh-huh. you're part of the stew that made that thing. It's, um, yeah.
2: So, yeah, take the picture
0: it's... for me that created all these nerves here.
2: Oh, okay, okay. Uh, you mean the getting back to that one story? Yeah, so... how you
0: handled nerves. This is uh, the orchestra has been recorded, and now it's yeah. on you. Right, right, right.
2: So, um, the very the I think it was the second, probably the second session that I ever had. Um, and let me let me back up a little bit and say my friend Elin, I'm gonna give her a shout out Elon Carlson. She's one of the was one of the has been one of the top like soprano voices in film music, um, like go listen to Gladiator. And she was the soloist on Gladiator. So that's wow. Elin. And we were the same height and the same voice part. So we always stood next to each other in these sessions. But the first so we were friends before the first session I had, I had standing next to her. In the middle of all this group stuff, there was this like two-measure solo line. And so nobody moved, but they're like, Elon, can you grab these this solo line real quick? So she had to be like, boom, turn on her solo voice in front of all of her friends and coworkers and co-singers and all the you know production in the in the control booth. And she just did it. And I was like amazed because you could feel everybody in the room get nervous for her because everybody that it's just the it's the most nerve wracking situation right as you can imagine yeah so I talked to her after about I'm like how did you do that and she she talked a little bit longer about it but the essence of what she said was they have hired you because they know you can do this job do your job just do your job that's great and I was like like, oh let me put that in my back pocket because that's never going to be me they'll always call on Elon well the second session I did was I sage the meltdown
0: oh yeah
2: yeah and they're like ah does anybody have an Ethel Merman sound and as you know Corey yes I can sound like (laughs) Ethel Merman oh yes there's no business like so I was hoping I
0: wouldn't have to ask for it
2: (laughs) So I think in the mo- I have not. So you oh wait. Audio. So you
0: feebly raised your hand. You're like I can Ethel Merman.
2: I can Well, and the contractor was Edie Lehman Boddicker, who you know, right? Another
0: shout out we need to give.
2: Yes, she she is the whole reason that I that I got to do what I do. She and I've told her several times, but she's amazing musician, singer incredible musician and she's a giver she wants to help as many singers sing as possible so um and she uh she knew i could do it she's like karen (laughs) so everybody's over at craft services you know and and uh you know trying to be quiet while they while they roll no i'm 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 kind of kidding but everybody was breaking and they had me up on a solo mic at fox studios have you been in that soundstage i
0: may have i may have okay. peeped in there
2: oh my gosh so huge only my second session i barely even knew people it's a, a huge just go look go google it it's a huge soundstage everybody is just watching you waiting for you to get done with your 4 8 12 measures or whatever you know and that the control room is, like, it was full of people. It That comes and goes. Sometimes there's only, like, a handful of people. Sometimes, like, the director and everybody is there. So, and you're on this mic, and they're, like, you know, hey, okay, can you sound a little bit more Ethel this time? Okay, let's do another take. Can you sound a little less Ethel? Okay, can you do the rhythm like this? You know, so you have to know musical language because... They're giving you like music, musical instruction, you know, do the rhythm like this, do a dotted rhythm instead of the triplet rhythm that you're feeling or whatever. So you gotta have, you gotta know that. You gotta walk into it knowing that. And then with all of that, you gotta just do your job. And her, I don't even, uh, Corey, I know that like when I stepped onto the stage, and you've probably felt this before, and this is such a good thing for artists to to continue conditioning is it's like channeling channeling the nerves oh
0: absolutely absolutely you know
2: it's like you you step right before you step up to that mic you you feel them you know in whatever form they take i, I think even now there's a there's a little bit if not butterflies but i'm just there's just that mental game you know i hope they like it whatever and then the minute the minute you start singing or the minute you start performing Then it turns around to either what do they need to feel right now? Or I just need to do my job (laughs) Yeah, because they hired me. They have the confidence in me. So why should I not feel confident that I can do exactly what they need right now? And
0: and correct me if I'm wrong. It only takes surviving this moment once Uh, to suddenly put that in your backpack and go, I did it before. I can do it again absolutely Um, it's it's a scary first time to do your job quote unquote while all eyes are on you but but as you build your career you're like you can carry that confidence that you've done it before you can do it again
2: yes and you know you know a beautiful thing that comes from that that i love and that i love like working through some of my singers that i work with on is you you have to plow through that and then all of a sudden you're able to kind of mentally and um su- y- y- subjectively like listen to yourself do i i always get objective and subjective <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> objectively you're outside of yourself yes, and you're listening exactly. to yourself and you're adjusting yes. as if you're not even you you're watching yes. yourself yeah
2: and so so you can you can fix things in a different way than if you're listening to yourself in that personal, like, Oh, you know, I'm embarrassed that that sucked way. It's like, no, no, no. All of a sudden you're able to be on the other side of the casting table, on the other side of the glass and in the studio. And I think you can more effectively like edit yourself or, or in the future make artistic choices because even in performance, you're able to kind of see it with a little bit of, of those eyes as opposed to just your own, your own you know, uh, reputation.
0: Well, that's your openness to learning that you talked about in the beginning is you've got to be receptive to, uh, criticism sounds like such a negative word, but feedback,
2: mm-hmm. uh,
0: adjustments, and you can even mm-hmm. making those live while you're doing the job. You are adjusting, you're, you're your own critic and not in a negative way. But if you can get out of the way of your, your, your feelings, your vanity, I know a lot of actors talk about you just stop worrying about your hair on camera
2: right? and,
0: right. and be willing to be uh, rough and raw and real or, or make an adjustment to your voice on the fly as if you mm-hmm. are instructing yourself.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's great. I I, I will <laughs> concur. Like I'll feel this little bundle of nerves. The bigger the like a stand-up gig or a speaking gig, and I mm-hmm. will just go yes, use it, use it. <laughs> right. Like I'll, uh, it's like I'm like a a character in Dragon Ball Z, and I'm conjuring those nerves into a little white hot ball, and I'm putting them inside <laughs> me as as fuel. Uh, because yes. I know that once and it's that it's that experience of I've done this before, I'll do it again, and yeah. I know what i am even telling my kids this now because um, a couple of my kids now go to speech meets and that mm. pressure is tremendous right before you walk out to recite this four minute piece. And mm. it's like, get outside of your own head. Mm-hmm. and Use it. Use, mm-hmm. use the nerves. Know that the, I, or I said, if you do this enough times, you know what the nerves feel like. And you're like, Oh, I know that feeling. That mm-hmm. feeling's not new and that feeling is not scary. It just is.
2: And um, it's not going to, it's not going to take me down either. You right.
0: Know? Right. Yeah. You yeah, use it yeah. almost like as part of your, your, your toolkit. Um, mm-hmm. And I, and I would say you, you, as that, I uh, have those lessons in those sessions, the the session lessons. Uh, <laughs> uh, do you take those into like w- when you've had to act or do voiceover work? Um,
2: Absolutely. Um, do your it's job. Funny. Yes. Do your job. And um, And know that you bring something special to it, you know, like when it comes to voiceover, I, I, I know that I have a singer's control over my voice so I can manipulate maybe possibly with more range just because I've explored more of my range so I yes. can give them, give them different options. If they're like, Oh, let's do another take and let's try it a different way. Then I, you know, I a lot of times will go to the extreme. Like I might go extreme range. Like I have control over just pitch or energy or even, uh, not really vibrato, but you know, just, just that, just the quality. Um, and, it's funny, whenever I've done sound-alikes, I haven't done that many. Oh, for people who don't know, in the voiceover world, sound-alike is the same thing as an imitation, right? I mean, they right. they don't, yeah. So they almost always peg me. They're like, you're a singer, aren't you? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, yeah, because your pitch was spot on.
0: <laughs> ah, so you're listening to, like, the main actor they got. They can't get mm-hmm. that main, uh, higher-paid actor back. And right. you just come in and do a couple of lines.
2: Yep. Yeah. Is there
0: anybody significant we would know that you've done a sound alike for?
2: Not really. I mean, probably the most that you would know is like one of the Nickelodeon characters, the oh, um, yeah. the the bratty girl. I can't remember her name. Angelica. OK, I think it was Angelica. It was just a commercial and they needed her voice.
0: Is that a rug rat?
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Rug yeah. Rat. Way back it's, when.
0: Yeah. I, I know that uh, I, I talked to uh, Jim Cummings. Uh, legendary oh. voice actor got to do a little work with him and he talked about Scar in the lion King and how that's, that's, you know, we all think that's Jeremy Irons. He's like, Oh, I sang a lot of Jeremy Irons.
2: <laughs> right? He said, you right.
0: would be surprised how much of that is not Jeremy Irons. You know?
2: Right. Right. There's it. I mean, it, that, that's a whole other, other career that people don't realize. And um, it's a little, it's a little bit of a very, very niche kind of market um in yeah. LA, but the whole, the, the people who are crossing over from vocals into voiceover because they have the acting chops as well. You know, you don't always have both. And, you know, fortunately, like you said, I've, I, I have both. So I've been able to do some really, really fun gigs like that. Um,
0: yeah. there. I mean, it's like being a stunt man or, or a stand in for a famous actor and you just, I know James Arnold Taylor or a shout out mm-hmm. to Mick Wingert. Mick Wingert yes. who sounds so much like Jack Black. It'll freak you out. He's had years <laughs> of doing Kung Fu Panda. Because yes. he, just, he says I go with wherever Jack Black does a film, I know they're gonna call me in to oh, sub in. So, just just loop in some lines here and there.
2: That is so awesome. I okay. Yeah, that's awesome. And I knew Mick before he had booked anything. Oh. So yeah. we both
0: know him. I didn't know I, I he came Aren't in you? for an animated thing to tempt mm-hmm. some voice, and I was like, holy crap, you are Jack Black. He says, I know.
2: <laughs> okay. Uh, the funnest um you know also take i i'm like i i I take any i take any challenge i take any opportunity to audition blah 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 blah. i don't this is something that's still hanging that's still hanging out there and i don't know if it's come through but it is something for i don't even know if i'm allowed to talk about it i well it's not like i think it's actually
0: speaking code (laughs) to us we'll figure it out later
2: i think it's actually disney tote tokyo so it wouldn't even be here but there is an old character that Karen, I Karen,
0: my audience reaches all over the globe <laughs> my tokyo uh cory heads they're gonna they're gonna pick up on this
2: <laughs> so when you hear the voice of you know a an opera chicken so it's a character that i didn't even know existed and that was kind of fun so you know you're an you're, opera op- chicken yes Okay. So this is like a moment of like, there's always opportunity to keep challenging yourself, keep exploring your art. I, for me, exploring my voice because my, one of my contractors in Orlando, so the Disney studios in Orlando, they do some stuff there. And, um, she called like out of the blue, like I hadn't heard from her in forever. That's another thing too. It's like, you wait, wait, wait. And then all of a sudden they're like, hey, do this really extremely hard thing for me, even though you haven't sung for me in like, you know, four months. Um, It was, it was literally an opera chicken voice. It was chicken. And it wasn't the, the, a oh, mile. it wasn't that character. <laughs> yeah. Which I can't remember her name.
0: I don't know. I, I know who you had, mean though.
2: Yeah, she had the the crush on Foghorn Leghorn. No, this was like earlier than her, uh, and it was she's she was an operatic chicken. And then I looked, I looked her up, and I mean the whole, I mean it was like, I mean it was like, <laughs> it was like when I had to study her because she was so committed. This this singer, this voiceover actor, singer who did this role. And um, I mean, I like listened and listened and I'm like marking my music as if I'm doing like Beethoven's Ninth. Right. And um, <laughs> I'm like making all these notes, like studying it. Like, again, it's going back to balancing it out. Like I'm putting in the study right now in order to have fun and be free with it and really make a good performance out of it.
0: Yeah. You're studying it the way any actor would study a performance and do, do their, their homework. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Vocally though. Exactly. Exactly. And so, yeah, that was, that was really fun. And, it, it, uh, it stretched me, it stretched my voice a little bit further. I'm like, okay, well now I can put that down. I'm an yeah. opera singing chicken. I can do this if you need opera, it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's like, you don't, you don't go into this business knowing that you're going to be an opera singing chicken, <laughs> no. but, um, you have to have the pieces ready. Well, I think that a lot of people, uh, uh, Sean Gaffney, who I talked to, he, you know, he said, I, I took a lot of strange gigs. I wrote a lot of strange things and, mm-hmm. and, and, and you realize all the pieces are adding up to something later that you don't even yes. know. Yes. Um, you know, uh-huh. you and I talk talk about God a lot and how He will prepare you for something. Absolutely. Um, you you mentioned uh before we got started here, like it was one of your best gigs that came out of one of your horse gigs years oh. earlier. I have to hear that story.
2: Yes. Like, like being open to just take a lot of gigs. Cause you never know what's going to pile up and what that's going to lead to. Right. So, oh my gosh, I'm okay. I really can't talk about like what this horrible gig was, <laughs> but it was a live, it toured, it was yeah. a live, it was, it was a live show. There was live music to film. Okay. Okay? okay. So we were the live, the live music, the new live music that they were putting to to some films and the only thing that kept me sane is I got to do it with my brother but the material wasn't what was so what I disliked so much I'm not going to say hate because I'm trying to teach my daughter to not say hate but <laughs> it was it was just the the way the show was run and the management and and uh, kind of the unfairness of what they were demanding from us they were it was it was very demanding like without a lot of breaks without a lot of, you know so it was like It was one of those things where I was like, this is do I, at the time I was like, this is doing nothing for me. I'm in the middle of like Texas doing this show. Like what, what is this doing for me in LA? Like, how is this forwarding my career? That's what I was thinking at the time. Right. Yeah. Um, when you're in that space. Um, but my brother and I did it together. So we like, we, we laughed at it. We got through it, blah, 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 blah. Well, it was done. I swore I would never take that call again. Right. Yeah. I think it was four years later, one of my fellow cast members, she was actually in management, management of the show. She called me and said, can you come into to the studio? She's like, I keep the books for the studio. She didn't even sing there. She was like the accountant. And she's like, I just heard it at the lunch table that they're not finding this particular voice that they needed. She's like, and they've auditioned like everybody in town. She's like, and I mentioned your name, so they want to bring you in, and <laughs> and so I went in, and I'll tell you kind of why I booked it in a minute. But I booked my first national uh, commercial vocals for a for a commercial spot, and it was like a five spot campaign. Wow, and it was it was it was great. It was amazing, you know, and things like that. They just, they just don't come up that often. And, but again, I was, I had been working, you know, I had, I had been meeting people doing as many free gigs as I could, you know, I had plowed through that hard gig. Little did I know in order to make connections with this accountant at the studio, who who got me this amazing gig? Well, I mean, I I went and auditioned for it. So,
0: but what an amazing connection! That those dots that connected over four years. Yes. I think artists yes. have to remember it. It is the it is the long haul. It is the marathon mm-hmm. run. It's not a sprint. No. Um, and what was what were you uniquely suited for to book that gig?
2: So um, I was class. So I was classically trained. Um, Like I went to school for, for classical music. And then once I started gigging, I had to take my technique and learn how to expand it. And that's, that's a lot of the way that I, I teach as well, but it's like, my foundation is good, but how do I become a singer for hire? So I was able to develop this sound that is classical without being operatic, Okay. Do you know what I mean? Because I kept, I kept alive variety in my voice. Like I kept working on doing different genres or doing, doing the, the different genres I could do. I can't do all of them, but it, if I can do it a little bit, I'm going to play with this. I'm going to explore it a little bit so that again, I have that in my little toolbox. So they had auditioned, it, they wanted the 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 commercial. it was a suave commercial. and they wanted a class they wanted it classical. It was very sort of like Mozart sounding. But they brought in la opera people and they're like, well, they it it sounds like unapproachable. Yeah. It's like too much. And so that's why I fit the bill because I have that background in that training, but yet I've explored different varieties of music and was able to manipulate my voice just enough to where it sounded more kind of like, you know, every day instead of just this big opera singer.
0: Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You you had refined uh, the control. You had more control over your instrument to go into so many different genres that you could dial it where they needed it. Yeah.
2: And it's fun. It makes it, it makes it fun. It's not for everybody, but I, I explored enough and you know about this, just explore on your own time. That's part of your training so that you know how, you know, again, some of the things that you can, that you can maybe pinpoint and develop a little bit more.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's definitely more, I've, I've seen careers that are definitely safer because somebody has trained themselves to be one thing. And you need that one thing, you go to that one person, but God help you if they don't need that one thing. Um, So I think a a lot of us, I know, I I feel like I've had a very eclectic career, Uh, Mm -hmm. many weird avenues that Mm -hmm. then you can pull that you got a crazy, you keep using the word toolbox, you can pull from that, that toolbox, that is much more, um, there's more variety in it than Mm -hmm. a typical just. Uh, well you know somebody who only sings opera for example Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. uh, if if anybody needs an opera singing chicken you can do it right Uh, Right,
2: because if i didn't have the classical chops there's no way that i could have there's no way that i could have had the the amount of control that it took just you know you know take out the chicken part but just the notes yeah but then you've also
0: had a lot of experiences just being silly and doing character voices and yeah you are willing to you're such a funny person naturally so you're willing to to go there
2: it's fun yeah yeah don't (laughs) don't take yourself too seriously right
0: right can i have just a little more opera chicken before we move on what what is that like
2: oh Oh my gosh i'm trying to remember like an actual line (laughs) (laughs)
0: Is that yes, good? Somewhere Gonzo the Great is falling in love. <laughs> and uh I have to say too that as a voiceover actor, um uh, you're just a great character actor and you create characters. Uh I I this is this is not planned. I'm wearing my Croxilla crew <gasps> t-shirt that I made for my yeah. five crew members. Oh. Uh, you, you can go on youtube and see karen as a, a very jaded teenager in my <laughs> uh animated web series crogzilla gets a job but that was based oh, on you so funny you heard these girls in the mall and how they talked
2: oh my gosh you guys yeah i or it might have been like was it the girls at party city who were shopping for halloween costumes and they're like you guys we should totally be zombies this year. Oh my gosh, we should be like pretty zombies. <gasps> we should be sexy zombies. <laughs> and holidays. it was
0: yeah. It's the word zombies.
2: Zombie.
0: <laughs> and then so you and uh Vicky were uh basing on that experience I, I created these two uh these two girls that are that that the, the the whole show is that this sea this this uh, Godzilla style sea monster is now working temp jobs and he's working at like Target and you guys are like do these T-shirts have zombies on them because I wanted you to just say the word zombies
2: zombies zombies are so in right now zombies yeah yes check out I love that was one that's one of my favorite 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 things I've ever done Croczilla. oh yeah. Yeah. Good,
0: good, good. Well, um, maybe they'll <laughs> would love to bring those girls back somehow because zombies are still hip, aren't
2: they? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I, uh, I don't know. Let me check with my eight year old.
0: Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> uh, and and also it, that they're sexy zombies. Like it, and <laughs> what is it at Halloween? It's like I'm going as a sexy mailbox. Oh, my. Uh, <laughs> whatever it is. Uh, I'm Captain America, but it's the sexy Captain America yes. with the mini skirt. Oh,
2: what? This is, no, no, no. no. <laughs> Party
0: City. Yes. Uh, man, that, you know, Party City, that's a real cross section. That's a real cross section <laughs> of humanity. <laughs> right. You get upscale people that are putting together a really nice event, and then you just mm-hmm. get like the dollar store people. Hey, you yes. know what? I'm dollar store people sometimes, so I'm not going to talk down to them, but pretty basic people that just want some plastic plates.
2: Right, right.
0: Yeah, or a rubber, or a rubber mask of some kind.
2: Yeah, of some kind, or uh, I don't know. Yeah, or I don't know. Uh, A plastic tablecloth that they can turn into a a superhero cape later on. Right, right. Mm -hmm. What? Uh,
0: what? Here's the thing, and I feel like my my life is filled with more searching for props at Party City. Than most people, <laughs> which that'll segue into what kind of life I talk to some creative people, what kind of life do you lead? It is probably not typical. I know you, mm. you we were just talking uh, uh, earlier that you and your husband, your husband is a uh, composer. I'm going to talk to him soon. Yeah, um, yeah. You guys have a life that keeps changing and ebbing and flowing about where you yeah. live or what you even do for a living.
2: Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's <laughs> Yeah. What's the question? How I mean, like,
0: how do you do it? How do you survive <laughs> it? Or you must—I know that I have had to take on a certain kind of attitude about my life. Yeah, where you either you either do this or you don't, and right. you can't keep being jealous of the nine-to-fiver who now right. has um, a very predictable outcome for their uh, financial future, their mm-hmm. their their rise in their particular job. They're going to, you know, get promoted in a certain way. And the life of a creative person can take a lot of left and right turns and yep. is a crazy life. And you got to yep. either love it or not.
2: Yes. Yes. And you have to. So a, a couple things you, uh, you, I'm going to see if I can keep them all straight in my head. Um, I feel like you have to not let, you have to not let the idea of, waiting for the next gig affect the rest of your life do you Uh, know what i mean like like i realized i turned around one day and i realized i'm living my whole life like this meaning i'm not able to live in the moment as much i'm not able to just enjoy this moment enjoy just this one little gig i'm not able to even um in uh just be content you know in, in in just this because i'm always like but what's coming or what if, what if that next thing doesn't come? You right. know what I mean? Right. So I think, I think there's that part of it. And it, it was, a, I mean, it was affecting everything from like my finances to the spiritual side of me, to my friendships, to family time, you know, yeah. it was like, I, I, I need to make sure that I take the time to just learn how to be content while I'm pursuing all these other things. And honestly, that's probably going to make pursuing them better and more effective for me. Right.
0: Well, I know? talked to, uh, you know, we both know uh, uh, Kelly Stables and she has talked mm-hmm. about on my show. If you want the gig so bad, they can smell it. And it's the gig you yes. don't want that you get. And so yes. what is that kind of voodoo you have to do to yourself?
2: Yes. And you can't, you can't fabricate it. OK, that the, the, my story about that was um, so you may not know that I was that that I was a commercial actor yeah. <laughs> like I, I've done I've done the vocals on on commercials um, and I've done more of those than on camera stuff. And, and uh, I'll tell you why you don't recognize me in a minute, but I, I went through the whole thing of, you know, I'm an actor. I love acting too. So I got my commercial agent, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, went to probably about 150 uh commercial auditions on camera before I actually booked one. I got a lot of callbacks, which is great. Makes you feel good, but you're like, when am I gonna book the one? I booked one and it was for Wendy's. And I called home and I told everybody about it. Finally I booked something.
1: <clears throat> yeah. I don't
2: even remember what year this was. And the funny thing is the I was in I was in the audition space. This was, I can't even remember which one it was, but, and I was thinking to myself, my plane for Florida to go see family leaves in like, like the time is ticking down where I'm going to have to walk out of this callback right now because there's no way I can make it to my plane. And so my mind wasn't at all. I think it was also a combination of that and a combination of, okay, this is number 150, so I'm just going to go in, do my job, feel good about it, go home. Do you know what I mean? I'm not even going to think about the outcome. But it was also mixed with I was was complete – my mind was divided as well. So it wasn't – like, it's not necessarily, I think later on, I was able to use that mentality, but this mentality just kind of happenstance happened this way. So I went into the callback thinking, I got to go. Can y'all <laughs> hurry this up? Like, you're on my time right now. And all they needed was a reaction from me, which also probably helped book it because I was a little bit pissed, right? <laughs> um, they're, they just like, we just need you to look at the camera. Like, what in the world? Can you look that? at the
0: camera? Like, you are really late for a plane. <laughs>
2: Right? and so i did again i channel i channeled it all and um and i booked it and it was awesome and then it never aired
0: so <laughs> uh, that's another thing that uh we can always talk about with our actor friends is you tell everybody at home i'm in the movie and then you don't yeah. know until you're eating popcorn in the theater if you're in the movie
2: i know no I- or-, or you get the dvd and you're on the like special well I, people don't watch dvds anymore but you know there are still cut scenes
0: here and there Ex- that, that extras we get to see. yeah
2: yeah yeah exactly <laughs> oh
0: that's good that's good you got to kind of <laughs> throw it away you got to kind of not want it to get it and that's yeah. that's contentment i think that's that's or, the long-term uh um, takeaway from that i think
2: or okay here's a good one uh, um i went I went and auditioned for a Boz Lerman. I was able to audition for a Boz Lerman production. Wow. Not, not, he actually, he directed a live, he directed a live show in LA. Um, Oh my gosh. I don't even remember the show. That's horrible. But I think it was in connection with the whole, all the, all the like LA Phil and all that stuff. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, my gosh. And I actually felt really good. I felt really confident. I pulled out one of my old arias from uh, aria is an uh, solo from an opera. So it was a little bit more classical sounding because that's kind of what they wanted. Well, I went in and this is twofold. I went in thinking I was ready, but I but I really probably needed to rehearse it for another two weeks before I before it was in my muscle. Cause it wasn't in my muscle yet, mm. but I thought it was. So I I went in with some false confidence, went in and I got like to the high run at the end or whatever. And I completely, I, I just, comp- I completely, it just fumbled. I had no control. It just did not sound good. I just, it sounded so bad that I stopped myself and I wouldn't, I would not necessarily rec- recommend this in an audition, but. I stopped myself and in a moment I had so many different thoughts. And one of them was, how do I redeem myself? How, how do I take this and turn it? Um, it to maybe show them a little bit something different that they're going to remember? Because right. maybe I can at least help them remember me in a, in a positive light. Oh, they're and remembering then,
0: you right now. And
2: then, <laughs> I know. and then thirdly, let me just entertain you. Like, I have this time. I got a couple minutes left. Let me let me just entertain you. And so I completely, basically turned it into an op- operatic chicken. Like, not really, because this was before that. <laughs> but, but I basically was like, I'm just going to turn this into a comedic role right now. And I totally did. They were totally on the floor laughing, you know. And, you know, wow. I, I did I did not get a call from them for anything else. But I was like, you know what? I'm just going to entertain you. Gosh, what? So, so that's another mentality that I think when you're in this stage of building and, and like showcasing, auditioning, workshopping, or whatever, if you always keep that element of, you know, we're all just sitting around the fire telling stories, even in this moment when I'm auditioning for you. I mean, it has much more layers than that. Don't get me wrong. But if you can for me if if i just remember i'm i'm giving even them they're looking at me with cold eyes and like deadpan faces but i bet i can make you laugh i bet i can walk away from this and i don't care whether i book it but if I can entertain you for two minutes right now,
0: I'm right. I've done my job, you know? Well, I think that, uh, there's something floating around social media right now. And it's an old clip of Michael Keaton talking about yeah. when it changed for him to not say I'm going today to an audition to get a job to yeah. now he's telling himself, I'm going to the job. This today is the job. I'm just yes. doing my job. And it comes back to yes. what you're saying, do your job. So yes. it took the heat off of, <laughs> Oh, do they like me or not? And like, Hey, you're lucky to see me today because I'm here to, to work. And yeah. today is is this uh, as my yes. job.
2: Yes, and it gives and it gives you confidence. And I think it also helps you to establish who you are, you know, because that's also a that's also a hard thing to learn is, you know, you you can't play, you can't necessarily play everything, even though I have a ton of different Uh, vocal things on my demo not not everybody should do that you know so you kind of do have to know who you are and who who like it's not typecasting it's just being confident with who they're going to see you as you know but I, I think it also I don't know it also gives you that confidence like even when I think about like all my auditions back at Disney going okay this audition is for this role but I'm going to go in knowing that I'm secretly auditioning for the show that's coming up later that has the evil queen in it. And cause yeah. I really want to play the evil queen, but I'm an audition for this, whatever stepsister or whatever, but I know that they're gonna, it's going to say to them, Oh, she knows who she is. Even though she's even, we're not picking her for this. I don't know. I, that's kind of a roundabout way in saying that kind of mindset that Michael Keaton had. It, it also establishes you as as who you are as a performer, singer, actor, whatever, you know what I mean?
0: Right. I do know what you mean. Yeah. And, and, and you, you, you bring that, you bring yourself to everything, whether it's uh, doing a small voiceover uh, part Mm -hmm. or in a uh, animated web show, or (laughs) it is uh, uh, just teaching one-on-one with a student, which you, you still do now, right? Like you you will do group sessions, but you'll also teach, um, I, I would think you bring a, a, a huge amount of experience to every student now. Um, uh, yeah,
2: I, I hope so. You know, helping we, them bring out their, their unique voice and talents, but and knowing who they are, you know, but at the same time knowing how to work kind of the business side of it. And
0: Yeah. That. Well, the, as, uh, for all the silly things you've done, we didn't even talk about Master Chorale. Isn't that what it's called in LA? Like this huge prestigious <laughs> choir that you were a part yeah. of. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. So... I also try to like when you're talking about like, what, how do you live? How do you live this creative life as an artist? It's like, I, I just make sure that I get involved in stuff. Like right now I'm actually volunteering for a corral. Um, and I don't care. I I'm involved. I'm meeting people. I'm meeting fellow singers. I'm getting to know what's out there. I'm most importantly, keeping my chops, keeping that, you know, that keeping it sharp. Right. Yeah. And so, the Los Angeles Master Chorale, yeah, I I auditioned and I got in as more of like a volunteer level because they have different tiers of singers. They sing at the Walt Disney Hall, Walt Disney Music Hall, downtown LA. And a lot of times we get to sing with the LA Phil. So talk about a schooling. And I was in that group for 11 years. And I think I had a healthy mentality of always going in learning because honestly I I always felt like I was just I I was just in because there were I was surrounded by the most talented singers teachers professors musicians in town like these people I'll never forget when we I'll never forget the moment where we busted open some Mahler. And if you don't know Mahler, Mahler is not easy. Nothing we did in that group was easy. Like you could not like just sit in your chair and smoke your cigarette and be like, oh, this one again. You know, no, there was none of that. It was always really hard stuff. So it kept everybody challenged. But the minute that we opened up Mahler Symphony, I forget which one it was. And we were we were sight reading in russian (laughs) wow and i'm like and i didn't like i was fumbling along behind the whole time thinking this is uh, like i I need to soak all of this in that as i possibly can because we're going to do this again we're going to have to sight read russian even in the la master crowd i did learn There were a lot of very serious people in that corral and no offense to them, but for me, I got to have a little bit of fun. And everybody knows that in our business, you have to be a good hang, right? You just have to be fun in the break room. Yeah. And so I did not take myself too seriously. So one of my favorite stories about the LA Master Corral I got there early and you know in LA that's that's hard to do but I got there early I'm like great I can put my makeup on I can eat I can eat something before the concert or call time or whatever went to my trunk looked for my um looked for looked for my um uh, black like concert black pulled out my dress did not have my shoes
0: uh.
2: I was wearing converse <laughs> Yeah and so I was like, quick thinking, I'll go to the Walgreens because they have like slippers. A lot of times I could wear like black slippers. Nobody's going to be able to tell. Right. Went to Walgreens. They didn't have slippers, but they had men's black tube socks. (laughs) It was like the best concert I ever had because and i made everybody laugh and i kept them you know every i kept everybody laughing backstage because i'm like y'all i'm gonna sound so good because i'm singing in my converse sneakers disguised as black men's tube socks and it didn't matter (laughs) it didn't it you couldn't see it because it was just like black but anyway that's my favorite (laughs) so
0: you had the converse sneakers on with the tube socks over them
2: over them yeah sorry over them
0: yeah That's that's doubly good. I thought maybe you just walked out there in the tube socks, but you're like, no, I got to have some shoes on. No,
2: no, I got to have some support. You got to You got to have good shoes.
0: Yeah, I bet it was. (laughs) I bet it was comfortable.
2: It was. That's why I feel like I say it was like the best concert I've ever had. It's like everybody. This should be the standard.
0: But then you got, you got socks on under the soles of your shoes. You got to be careful walking out there. Like you're going to slip and go, whoa, oh, and I, take I out a whole had row to, of
2: people. So I had, cause the, the floor there is, it's like a bowling alley. It's really, really, really slick. Oh gosh. So I, I literally had to hold on. Like the woman in front of me was holding my hand so that I, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, we're a team. Oh my people. Gosh. We're a team.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I and I'm sure at, at that venue, if you if you fell down the stairs, you would do it in a very vocal, like
2: oh,
0: and like cascade <laughs> down the
2: stairs. We never had any of that. I have fallen off the stage once at a at a show at the the Falcon Theater. I did fall off the stage once. Oh gosh! I made the most of it, and I was a bird. You know, <laughs> you know, so. as you say, you're
0: there to entertain people, and if falling off the stage is going to entertain too, you just <laughs> turn it into something. <laughs>
2: Uh, oh that's God. what I
0: love, uh, about everything you do. And, uh, I know we're at the end of our time here, but this has been, this has been delightful and I think it's, it's been inspiring as well.
2: Good, 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 good.
0: Well, that's our show for this week. I'd like to thank you all for stopping by, as I like to say. And I want to thank my guest, Karen Whipple. Boy, what a delightful person, huh? It's just fun to catch up with her and laugh with her. And really, she has the most beautiful voice you can imagine, but still an opera chicken at heart. Still an opera singing chicken. <laughs> I think that's going to have to be my ringtone or something. I also want to let you know that if you want to take a course from Karen, if you want to learn about mastering your voice, as she mentioned, she has a digital course. She'll go online with you. um, And then she also has warm-up MP3s that you can also download that take you through the warm-up process if you are a singer and if you want to get better. She is one of the best in the biz to teach and to take you through even being a professional singer. I'm also going to include uh her website Karen Whipple-Schnur, That's her all three of her names. Karen um, and also her studio website, which is KWSvocalstudio.com. That's KWS Vocalstudio.com. I'm gonna put those links in the bio uh, uh, as well, uh, in the show descriptions here on the podcast. So look down in the show descriptions. I'll try to put that link there. Um, and also, hey, I just want to remind you, I do have a stand-up comedy uh, video. It's on drybarcomedy.com. Go check it out. It's a half-hour special. Uh, I think it went well. I think you will laugh. And if you use my comedy code, my special code, sorry, it's not a comedy code. It's a promo code. Corey Comedy. No spaces. C-O-R-Y C-O-M-E-D-Y you can get a free month of their monthly service. So how about them apples? And uh, until next time, keep being creative and keep cultivating that creativity into something that becomes, uh, if you want it to become a job, you got to cultivate it so that it becomes an instrument, a machine. So when that microphone comes on and those people point to you, you do your job. You bring it. I hope you can bring it this week. I'm Corey Edwards. Thanks for stopping by you